Hey there, Film State Show listeners. Connor here from The B-Side. Thanks for pressing play on this special release. As you may or may not know, for The B-Side, we talk about movie stars and not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones they made in between. If you can, head on over to our feed wherever you're listening and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. On this episode, we talk a few B-Sides from living legend Harvey Keitel, followed by a brief conversation with the man himself. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hello and happy November, everybody. Some would um, say su- well, it's a sweet November. Ooh. Yeah. A, a refer- I always love references to past B-sides. Um, and this episode has a, actually already has a couple of uh, yeah, references gonna, we'll to past B-sides. That. This is a special episode, kind of a last-minute add-on uh, betwixt our Halloween Wes Craven episode and our upcoming Gene Wilder episode, which is... We promise uh, we will get to it. Uh, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's a listener on the road, but it will. No, happen. no. I mean, it's a listener's choice. Obviously, we'll get to it. We're excited. I mean, that's that's an exciting, um, that's an exciting actor who I feel like is undercovered. Which you know, I guess Gene Wilder. I'm talking about. I mean, I guess not appropriately, but understandably, when you think about his output, I suppose waned in such a way in that in that last few decades sure. that you kind of you know. I guess without the enduring nature of Willy Wonka and the Mel Brooks comedies, right? It's like his output kind of did get, I suppose, the prior comedies too. We'll talk about it. But um, here we're talking not about not about Wilder, not yet. Uh, we are talking about and we were able to talk to the living legend Harvey Keitel, who is currently starring in the uh, movie Lansky, which, if you're listening, is available on Blu-ray and on streaming. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, and we were lucky enough to speak with um, Mr. Keitel for about 20 minutes, a little bit less, um, about Lansky, about um, some of some of his early 90s B-sides. We, d- we decided we wanted to kind of focus on that time. Um, well, they were – and because they were so – the 90s, I feel like, was so huge for him. For him, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, f- so Keitel, you know, 82 years uh, old as we record this, you know, has been around forever, right? I mean, he came up with Scorsese. He was Scorsese's first leading man – a leading man, right? Yeah, he's like, he's like one of the princes of New Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, I mean he he's isn't he in who's that knocking on my door? Uh, he is, yeah. 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 And 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 he um and then he's obviously in Mean Streets with De Niro, which is such a great film and you know a million things. I mean, he's in Taxi Driver, of course. He's in a million things like we said. But then so you have this thing where he's in stuff like Blue Collar, the Paul Schrader film, right? He's in Fingers, the James Toback film. He's in just a lot of interesting pictures in the 70s into the 80s. But I think, and I think this is right. I'll kind of look at his filmography as I talk about this to make sure. I, I would say, yeah, I would say, yeah, like, so he's basically the back half of the 80s. Things kind of slow down, right? He's in Wise Guys, the De Palma movie. Yeah, I mean, they, they slow down from, I think, maybe a wider recognition standpoint. I mean, he's prolifically yeah. working 
For yeah, I mean, like he's in. So he's in the Last Temptation of Christ playing Judas, huge, which yeah. you know is is I think at the time a widely maligned performance because he's just he. This is what I think is so funny, where you can't win with this stuff. Like you've seen that movie, right? Like yeah, yeah, he yeah. plays it like Harvey Keitel. He's got the accent, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And people like ridicule them for it, which I find so funny. Where it's like, okay, so you wanted him to do like, right, a, me- a Mesoamerican so, accent yeah, and so, offend people? Like yeah, what was yeah, this yeah, yeah. Like you know, like I find that hysterical. It's like, what would have been the accent for that? Like yeah. it's like. Is it better to just do like quasi-European like they did for 50 years with like every biblical movie? Like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know about that. Anyway, um, obviously that's been reappraised and he's quite, quite great in the film. But so that's like probably the highlight of the back half. And then and then we get into kind of the time period we're talking about, which is, you know, the movies we talk to Harvey Keitel about are... Yeah, the two Jakes, which we we have talked about on this podcast, directed by Jack Nicholson, the sequel to Chinatown. Um, we briefly talk about um, uh, more actually. Well, we talk about Point of No Return, which is the remake of La Femme Nikita, which we talk about for that was kind of one of our main ones we want to talk about, directed by John Badham um, from 1993. And we briefly mentioned Dangerous Game, which is the Abel Ferrar movie he made after Bad Lieutenant. And, and I think quite an last, interesting picture. I think the last movie he made with Abel Ferrara, right? Yeah, they, I think they only made the two. And then um, what was the other one we wanted to mention? Oh, organically in the interview comes up the the uh, first collaboration that Keitel had with Nicholson, the Tony Richardson film, The Border, the Border yeah. which um, is a good movie. It's an underrated, underseen movie, I'd ahead say. Of, ahead of its time. Uh, yeah i mean I, I said ahead of its time that's all that's that's true and not true i think it, it's i i, I mean you maybe know. it just speaks to how nothing terrible ever changes in this country you know like uh, yeah it's, it's, it's ba- yeah it's basically yeah i mean i mean we can start with the board i suppose it came out in 82 like i said it's directed by famous uh you know famous british filmmaker tony richardson who you know um was part of the angry young man movement in britain in the 60s and kind of made the loneliness of the long distance runner is a movie I love and, and amongst many others. Um, and, you know, came to, um, came to the States and made some films and, you know, the border is a movie, like I said, starring Nicholson, starring Harvey Cattell, Valerie Perrine, Warren Oates is in it as well. And it's basically, um, an immigration agent, uh, Nicholson relocates, um to texas and um basically meets his wife's friend who's kaitel and kaitel is bad news and is running a smuggling basically human trafficking scenario and (laughs) nicholson is like uh I don't know about this. And that's kind of, that's <laughs> I think those are of, the exact words. I think, I think that's um, in the script. <laughs> so it's an interesting movie, I guess. Yeah. To your point earlier, Connor, it's like, it's, it's ahead of its time. And also sadly not. Well, it's right, sort of, suppose, it's kind of like yeah. how we mentioned with people under the stairs and our Wes Craven episode, right? Like, it's just one of those things where you're like, oh my God, it's so relevant now. And you're like, well, it was relevant then. And like, it just, yeah. And know, I think, nothing, I guess what I was saying to you, changes. cause it, cause it came up or, I mean, you'll hear it. It comes up organically with, with Mr. Keitel. And I think, um, 
I said it to you before we were recording, the the emigration of Mexicans into the States and all of the turbulation that comes with it and all of the, the sadness and the tragedy and the illegality on both sides of the street. I'm obviously very pro. The vast majority of these people are coming over for the betterment of their families as offered in the American dream. So uh, who am I to judge these people? Like a very kind of... I think appropriately Christian view, not the fucked up version of Christianity that a lot of the people in this country right. have, but the actual appropriate thinking of it. But they are in fact breaking the law. I understand why they're doing it. But then almost the worst part of that, right? And this is kind of what the border explores is the people who are meant to uphold the law are capitalizing off of it and and, and breaking the law. Yeah, right. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and just and just this horrible, vicious cycle and i and i could be off here and if i am please i you know correct me here but to me the border represents kind of a movie that's exploring this in a way i don't know that a lot of other american films had i mean obviously el norte comes out only a few years later and i think that gets oscar attention and certainly people see i mean that el norte depicts the journey right to you know across the border right yeah that, i'm sure if you took in our in our failing public education, uh, you took a Spanish <laughs> class. You watched El Norte. I think I watched El Norte like six times in my in the different Spanish classes. I love public education, so please, I'm just making a point. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so it's an interesting movie. Kaitel is specifically good in it. Um, he's, you know, we talk a little bit in the interview about his ability for menace and malice and manipulation. And, you know, the border is a great example of that, right? Where it's, yeah. you know, we mentioned like he's so kind in Thelma and Louise, which is a movie where there are no good men, right? It's like right. a movie where it's like the only good guy is Kaitel, who's the cop on their tail. Right. And then the is, only yeah. other good guy is Michael Madsen, who is not really a good guy because you get the sense he used to abuse. Susan right. surrounded, but he's like made amends. Yeah. Right? Kind of, like, I always kind of not to go down a rabbit hole here. I recently rewatched that movie uh, a couple months ago, maybe like six months ago. Anyway, I recently rewatched that movie. And one of the things I do love about Madsen in that movie. Great performance. Is it's, I would say maybe his best, if I'm being honest. Yeah. His um, whole Madsen would be a great guy to cover, even though I guess it's like a little bit of a great, I bet in you, terms we, of, I'm, I'm going to say this live and we'll call my shot. I bet you we could get Madsen. Oh yeah. Right. I would love I it. We, I would, yeah. I would love anyway. to, well, just be, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Just, just to say it's such a kind of in a, in a comparison with, the Keitel performance, it's yeah, it's like the two good men in Thelma and Louise are either inherently part of the problem, a la Keitel, right, cop. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or dopes, right? Or a dope, right. right? And like, that's kind of what I love about Madsen in the movie is that you get the sense that he wants to be the kind of shitty dude that Christopher McDonald is. Like, sure, sure. But sure. fucking Susan Sarandon would just have none of it, you know? And like, it just, so yeah. it just wouldn't happen. But, um, but yeah, Kaitel in that movie, it's, it is in, yeah. And it, an expressly, uh, gentle performance for a hardened police officer, you know, uh, which. Well, and the thing, you know, we, we would have loved, uh, you know, even more time uh, with with Harvey Keitel to talk about these nuances, obviously. But, you know, even to the point of Reservoir Dogs, which is also early 90s and also not a B-side. But 
even his complicated relationship with Tim Roth has so much gentility to it. Sure. Yeah. Like he's, we're talking he's like, about. He's the one. I mean, there's a, it's it's the reason he's kind of the ostensible lead of the movie and the lens of the, right, the heart and soul, yeah, you know, yeah. amongst the amongst, you know, the other uh, the other the other characters he you know he's not a good person but he's a better person than right. i suppose the other people right for whatever um, that's worth yeah exactly which i think and look you know we don't need to tell you this if you're listening you probably know kaitel's kaitel is so um essential in getting reservoir dogs made which then sparks the career of tarantino so you know if you're one of these people who likes tarantino movies i think there are some of them um, you gotta, you gotta thank Harv because yeah. he's a big part of it. So, but anyway, point of no return. That's 93. We talk about, um, you know, the border as we're, as we kind of briefly mentioned is 82, you know, that just to kind of put a button on the border, it's not a hit, right? It doesn't make a lot of money. It kind of comes and goes, it's modestly reviewed. Right. So I think these are things where it just, you know, it's, it's 82 it's right after new hollywood so it's one of these movies that i think kind of sometimes it gets lost where you, you get you're getting that ambition as it wanes right and as and as the your 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 normal movie viewer maybe turns to i don't know something like splash you know or like sure you sure, know right you know uh what's the movie um with michael keaton and henry winkler that's so good night shift. night night shift thank you night you shift. know like you're, you're running into yeah. you know those things are coming hot off the presses uh for better or worse and maybe kind of putting things you know more i don't know more intense social dramas like the border maybe don't stand a chance so but i encourage people to watch it. it's an interesting film and then you know getting up to the 90s obviously kaitel kind of has a re renaissance right he's in thelma louise we talked about He's in The Piano in 93, which is an incredible performance, incredible movie. He gets his sole Oscar nomination, which we mentioned with him playing Mickey Cohen in Bugsy. Warren Beatty's film Bugsy about Bugsy Siegel. Bugsy Siegel, who grew up with Meyer, Meyer Lansky, Lansky. Features prominently in Lansky. In Lansky. Um, I like that actor, actually. The I guy do, who played I, Bugsy. I do, too. And you know what I was thinking? I even... it gave me pause to look up a picture of Bugsy Siegel because he doesn't actually like Warren Beatty doesn't look a ton like Bugsy. He looks uh, kind of like Bugsy, but, but the, and, and this guy doesn't necessarily either. But what I think is kind of funny is this dude kind of looks like Warren Beatty, <laughs> which I thought was like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, it, that's funny. I, which I thought was sort of interesting. What's, I think, what's the you know, name? I, I don't. Want um, to... I'm gonna find it real yeah. quick. But but what's funny is, you know, you know, kind of looks like Bugsy, um, and he played Bugsy in the show that we watched. Oh, Eddie, 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 Eddie B. B. Yeah, Eddie Burns kind of kind of looks like Bugsy. Um, David Cade, yes, is the young actor who plays Ben Siegel, Bugsy Siegel, and I like David Cade. Like as you know, we try to make things. Connor, you and I, and he's a guy. I, I was like, I wonder if I, wonder if I could call David Cade <laughs> in, in, uh, into something, just because he's handsome and quite intense. And I thought, anyway, but yeah, Lansky, as we're mentioning, Eton Rockaway is the director and the writer. Um, Sam Worthington is the writer who is talking with older Meyer Lansky, played by Kaitel, obviously. 
the best parts of the movie are with Worthington, Worthington and um, Kaitel, which is no yeah. surprise. Yeah. Um, you get a little Minka Kelly in it. Yeah. You know, a little, little Minka K, you yeah. know? Which, like, I kind of forgot who she was, so... I had to like look when up Minka, I think she pops on and I'm kind of like, oh, who is this like very beautiful actress? I know. Here's I the thing. I was like, oh, <laughs> here's the thing. I think when Minka Kelly and Leighton Meester star together in The Roommate, I think we touched equilibrium. I think the universe <laughs> kind of like, said like it's some kind of like time. Cop it's like the Lewis Black. <laughs> it's like the Lewis Black Starbucks, Starbucks yeah. is across the street. It's like <laughs> we are getting too close. This there's something is happening like. Oh, There's going to be some sort of singularity that like synchrony, yeah, singularity yeah. is what <laughs> that, I was looking that, for, that not, not equilibrium. Swat yeah. swallows us whole. I think the singularity <laughs> got too close um, with the roommate. You know the classic film, the roommate. Yes, you know, we, we all, all remember, remember where we were. <laughs> the roommate, um, which ironically speaking, I mean, just to bring it back to point of no return, the roommate, which is a soft remake of single white female which oh. was the hit movie starring right. bridget fonda the year before she then starred in point of no return Here which was get, the there, there modest go. action hit directed by john batten remake of luke besson's la femme nikita in which bridget fonda plays the titular nina uh, not in her it's movie nina. but it's nina in this one right is her like code no yeah she's got a bunch of names right so it's like well she gives the one name to she gives the one name to uh, Dermot Mulroney. I almost, you mean I, snack I, snack Mulroney, dude, dude? Handsome guy in this Snacky movie. Snacky I don't know if you guys. I don't know if you knew snack. this about Dermot oh Mulroney. Handsome, like good full head of long hair, doing his Absolute best. He's, he's snackola. Yeah, he's got his like he's got his like sensitive artist look going on. It's if you're gonna watch the movie, watch it for nothing, nothing other than uh, Harvey Keitel giving a great sociopath performance for like four scenes, and uh, and Snack Mulroney. <laughs> Snack Mulroney. <laughs> I, so just it's yeah. We the names Maggie Hayward, Claudia Andorn, and Nina. So it's like, and then Dermot Mulroney is JP, which you know what sure. are you gonna do? Whatever. Oh, and also you're. You're doing our girl and Bancroft no favors. Oh, which I said to you, I had texted you while I was watching it. I was like, oh, Anne Bancroft doing like she's in like early pre great expectations mode. Yeah, she's like doing the Charlotte Rampling from Red Sparrow. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, which, uh, which way nicer, like a much like. Sure. Like <laughs> if if she didn't force rape upon the assassins, <laughs> you know, uh, Red yeah, Sparrow. It's the same. I, Red it's Sparrow's the same good. Thing. I like the movie. Big disagree, but it's okay. it really. I, I can't. It's yeah. A lot, a, movie, like Red, a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people don't like. I'll say this: I can't necessarily disagree with like the craft of it. It's not really a poorly made film, right? right. And granted, uh, Lawrence, what's his name? Why can't I think of his name? Jennifer Lawrence. No, no, no. Um, the oh, director, Francis Lawrence. Francis, Francis Lawrence. 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 Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Francis Lawrence. I think he's a pretty good workman director. Like, I, you know, you and I both. Like, I would even. We both. Yeah, I would even put him. Like, yeah, I'd put him a little bit above workman. I mean, but he's you know like what I mean. He's he's a, a great style. I think a very good stylist. But, yeah, but yeah. yeah I, so he's got a good craft. I, that movie, I just think, off putting a little. Yeah, it's just like there. It crosses some lines that you're like, okay, well, I don't know if we need. Like, it, it just gets gratuitous. But anyway. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's not untrue. I think part of me. 
Yeah, I think I feel that way. I feel I feel about that movie the way I feel about some other movies where I think the extension is the reason to watch where it goes so far. You're like, you know, sure. Like, cause you know, for example, like Brett Sparrow is basically a version of point of no return. La femme Nikita, yeah, all yeah. the ver- all the versions of Nikita, you know, Red Sparrow is almost taking the football from them and, and kind of moving the goal line. Yeah. And, you know, to some people like yourself, you're kind of like, we didn't need that. And then I think to other people, you look at it and you go like, well, that was one way to go. And I appreciate the attempt. I mean, that's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. Um, anyway, but point into return, I think I, we were talking about this. I think I prefer Bridget Fonda's performance. I like her performance more than you do. In this yeah. Movie. That it was kind of, it's, so, it's just a weird, it's, I'll say this because we were also talking about obviously, you know, bad, bad Luc Besson and all that. And so <laughs> bad, yeah. you know, um, if I, I like La Femme Nikita a lot, right. But if, you're, good, yeah. if you're the kind of person who's like, you know what, not going to support that. I think you could watch point of no return. Oh, right. I see be- what you mean. Be- yeah. Because, and this is, this is kind of why I don't like it as a movie a little is because it's like not that different. It's like right, very, right. and it's not that far, you know, because Nikita was what? Nine, nine, 91, 91, 91 right. I believe. So it's or two, 90 or 91. Yeah. The point is it's less than five years removed from its source material. So even the overall aesthetics of filmmaking are still in the same yeah, 90, house, yeah. same ballpark, right? So it's because it, it's not like yeah, the, and it's it's like you know Shecky Cairo plays who we've talked about on this podcast. He's in Kiss of the Dragon. He's like the um, handler. Who, he's Bob, and then Gabriel Byrne plays Bob. Correct. And then Jean Reno is the cleaner. And, who's Harvey Keitel. And Keitel, yeah. And it's so it's an interesting thing because it is beat for beat, obviously updated to be more American, but like generally speaking it's beat for beat the same movie and so i just think if you're going to give me the same exact movie i can't help but make direct comparisons of which one i prefer you know what i mean like it's not sure. the movie overall i i don't think is trying different enough things for me to look at fonda's performance as being some sort of different or interesting thing that said i think you're right in that i think the movie feels right for her like i and i don't think i would frankly I mean, I'm sure you could cast other people or whatever, but it's I don't I don't think she feels like a wrong choice necessarily in 93. That's it. If you're not going to get like fucking, you know, I don't know, like Julia, right? You know, if you're not going to get like a huge megastar or something, but like at the end of the day, I, I it's it's a weird movie because I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with it from an overall craft standpoint. I do, but I, you know, other than the general, maybe icky power dynamics of this, of the story, but like overall, you know, it's, and I think it's perfectly fine. The Zimmer, Zimmer score is doing a a ton, but it's a good, and I think it's, this is a good moment to just, I I don't imagine we'll ever do Bridget Fonda on this podcast. Maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe if someone, she's got such a fascinating career to me because yeah. you know she's obviously hollywood royalty right she's peter fonda's um daughter you know and um she kind of is immediately a star right she's like in a few movies mm. and then she's in the godfather part three in 90 and kind of a you know she's like a journalist she's in the movie 
a little bit. She's okay in it. But, you know, a big Hollywood movie. And then kind of immediately after that, it's like Doc Hollywood. She's like one of the, she's like a kind of a young woman in that. Not, not the, not the female lead, but she's in that film, big hit. And then her big breakout is single white female yep. and singles in the same year, which is confusing. And, but that's 92. And then it's like, this movie comes out in 93, not a huge hit point in no return, but did well enough. And then I think did well on home video. Like a lot of movies did in the nineties. Mm. And then she's in like little Buddha, which is that weird Bertolucci movie yeah. with uh, Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves. If you've ever yeah. seen that. Mm. And then it could happen to you with uh Nicholas Cage, a nice movie. Um, Road to Wellville, incredibly weird Alan Parker movie, which um, I would encourage people just to watch because it's just so weird. And then like City Hall, you know, she's it's like a huge cast. John Cusack, um, Harold Becker directs the Paul Schrader script Pacino. It's like a New York political drama. I think kind of an underrated movie. Um, and then it's basically like she's in touch which is an act paul schrader directs a movie which is kind of an unseen skeet ulrich vehicle not a great movie but you know an unseen skeet ulrich an un, unseen ske, uh, skeet she's in allison anders's grace of my heart which i always wanted to watch and then you know jackie brown 97 amazing performance yeah lewis yeah lewis i mean and then, that's the, she she feels like a perfect tarantino actor in that regard yeah it's like a very yeah, he. I don't know. I think he got something out. She's of that sneaky, great in a simple plan. Yes, as, as Bill Paxton's wife. Yeah, very good. And then it's like Monkey Bone, Kiss of the Dragon. You know, oh one, the whole she bang is her apparently final role. I don't really know that movie, but like, that's oh one, and she's basically done. She does like a TV show in oh two called the uh, Snow Queen. And she kind of like retires, I think. And it's just like that 10 year run is so interesting to me. And you talk about someone I'd love. I mean, I say we're not going to cover her, but then you talk about somebody I'd love to have on the podcast. Oh, sure. My God, yeah, yeah, just yeah. to talk about because she was a legitimate star for basically a decade. I mean, we talked about Kiss of the Dragon already, mm -hmm. you know, and I think Point of No Return and Kiss of the Dragon are similar in you know because they're action films you know funny enough like we said checky Cairo was in kiss the dragon plays the original bob but so just to bring it back to kaitel yeah, yeah, yeah it is a great 20 minute performance like and in um, point of no return you mean in point of yes. no return yeah, and yeah, he yeah. mentions where the inspiration comes from so interesting um and then yeah like you know like we said 93 big year the piano um is the same year and the thing about Kaitel, right, who obviously, even recently, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't call it a renaissance, but I think he's so great in The Irishman. Yeah. In that, in, that, in that supporting role, but like a very, I think so, once again, look, The Irishman, we're, we're going everywhere on this podcast, and I think that's appropriate for this actor because he's done everything. Like, The Irishman, obviously, an A-side. But a performance that so underscores mm -hmm. all he can do. Like, I here's my thing. I I so dislike how actors become legends and then they're regarded in this specific way that like totally discounts all of the different things they do. Right. Where like to think of to think of Harvey Gattel as just the bad lieutenant is like, okay, that's yeah, right. 
it's it's a well, compliment it's to, to that. It's a compliment to that performance. Iconic movie. But that's also to forget, like you mentioned, uh, Thelma and Louise. Thelma right? and like Louise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and and I think I think also it's what makes him a good Judas. Well, exactly. Well, and this is you my know what point. I mean? Like, it's, it's so this is like, this is this is this is exactly the scene in The Irishman where De Niro is like younger, um, and he they're knocking off those factories or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Keitel has that whole thing. He's like telling him he owns them. The menace that's wrapped around like this gentlemanly sheen. Is how many people can do it as well, well as yeah, he does like without, it. It's so with, good without literally lifting a finger, right? Like just the 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 mirror, and that I'll say is something that maybe maybe this is where the myth making and the and the sort of creation of like living legends kind of helps. I think it helps in Lansky, right? Like where it you know there's a weight that that person just carries with them as as sort of an elder statesman actor yeah that, that they bring with it where they don't and that's not to necessarily say they need to but they don't have to do much potentially right like and and granted i think what you're talking about gets wrapped into that which is like Kaitel is so good at also not you know he can for every like for every, you know, him yelling at Tim Roth in the back of a car or something or bad lieutenant, right? Like for, for any moment of like intensity, you get, uh, you know, you get something like the Irishman or like Lansky or like, uh, even you know, even the 20 minutes or whatever in Point of No Return, which is this this reserved quality to it that, you know, that indicates either a introspective like gentleness or some sort of like bubbling like you said menace or malice right and i think that's what's crucial and i you know we can kind of get into it as we toss the interview but i do think that's what's crucial to his success in lansky which is that thing of like he doesn't need to say much to say sam worthington to to indicate like hey like this could be bad for you if you do dumb things right yeah um, very casual very yeah casual. yeah like like it's like he's you know like he's ordering coffee or something right but i mean in fact while he's ordering coffee right, right like, exactly. so so it's one of those things well and that's the thing lansky you know i liked it fine um obviously those parts are the best and i would certainly he's worth what i mean he's his performance is worth watching the movie agreed, agreed. um but I almost wanted the movie to be this like micro Lansky at a diner with a journalist, a, 80 minute movie. Yeah, me too. And like no flashbacks, just yeah. like let, let Kaitel tell the story. Right. And let us imagine like yeah. that was almost. And you, and you get to decide. I mean, I think the movie does a little bit with the, the, the John McGarrow stuff of, um, right, an actor who I like immensely. Me too. You. No, me too. And I, and I think yeah. that's I I think that stuff is fine too. I think that I think that half of the movie is a little bit of a, you know, of I mean, like Harvey will say in the in the, in our interview, that half of the movie is the genre stuff, right? Like, 
And it's an interesting thing because it's, it's right. almost one of the, I'm like talking myself into maybe liking the movie more as I'm like saying this, but like, it's one of those things where when you get that half of the movie, you get the gangster genre. And when you get the, the Kaitel half of the movie, you get like the gangster as person. Right. But yeah. And it sort of ties into a little bit like what we talked about with Alessandro Novola when we talked to him about many saints in Newark, but this thing of like, do you believe these people when they say these things? Right. Like, and, exactly. and, and how yeah. much of the gangster genre is a real thing or a reflection of a real thing versus a perpetuated game of like telephone. Right. Or something like that. Um, Right. So that part of the movie is interesting. I will say, I don't know if the movie completes that circle in terms of actually wrestling with the idea of like truth in that scenario, because I think the movie very much kind of assumes it, or at least it seems assumes that these things that Lansky is telling, uh, I can't think of Sam Worthington's character, but when he, he's telling Sam, Worthington, David is his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. He's telling David these stories like, they just all feel true because you're seeing John Magaro do them. And, and there's no real question as to, to otherwise what I do think is kind of interesting. And this is something you mentioned off mic uh, the other day is the thing of, I feel like that the movie occasionally in the Magaro sections veers into this, um, veers into this, like, uh, American hero type moment, which, I think can be interpreted as, you know, it's being cast in a positive light because of the man who's telling it. Yeah. You I, could certainly read it like self canonization. Yeah. Yeah, thing. exactly. Um, and, and I think what's interesting about, and you know, we, we brought this up near the tail end of our talk with Harvey, but what's interesting about Lansky's, final moments in the movie in regards to his son is that's maybe the first real quote unquote real world visualization of him having a like truly human moment as opposed right. to like John Magaro having those moments and you take us taking his word for it. Right. Um, so I don't know. I think it's got things to to chew on, but I do think, to your point, Dan, I do think a lot of that. And and again, you know, the movie's full of performers that that I like a lot. But I think w without Kaitel, I do think it it's not maybe quite as elevated uh, as it as it as it would be, or as it is, yeah, I should say. And, and just to you know, we'll throw to the interview in a couple of minutes. I wanted to just bring up dangerous game i mentioned earlier we don't end up talking with harvey too much about it um in our in our brief uh, chat but it's, it's worth mentioning uh 1993 movie as i said came out after bad lieutenant with abel ferrara um it's an autobiographical movie um a movie a movie within a movie movie um kind of almost even within madonna i think it's, yeah madonna james russo and harvey keitel keitel is playing a you know a fictionalized version of Abel Ferrara, right? Like yeah. his name um, in the movies Eddie Israel, and um, it's a good movie. It's a character piece. Madonna is very good in it, which um, you know um, I, Harvey does mention in our talk. Um, but hard to watch, I suppose. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly if you know Abel Ferrara's work, he's somebody who 
you know, is always challenging the viewer in one way or another um, in many different degrees, right? He kind of came up with stuff like Miss 45 and movies that were, you know, gruesome for the time, um, exploitative in a certain way, but obviously artistic, always artistic. And then, you know, King in New York's probably his best known movie, probably a masterpiece. I love King in New York. Right? I think Bad that's Lieutenant, I, Bad Lieutenant as well. Yeah, you know, those, I, those I like two. I like Bad Lieutenant less than King of New York, Agreed. but um, uh, you know, stuff like Fear City, which was more of a studio endeavor with like Tom Berenger, Billy D. Williams, Melanie Griffith from the kind of the mid eighties that comes to mind, you know, he's done everything. Now he's kind of in Rome. I mean, we talked with Alessandro Navola about it actually. Yeah, like yeah. he's in Rome in Italy, just like getting money, you know, little bits of money and making, you know, Siberia with Willem Dafoe, uh, zeros and ones with Ethan, Ethan Hawke, Hawk, like yeah. these I mean, kind look, of little he's just, experimental he's just, things. He's just a dude who just kind of, you know, you mentioned this to me off mic sort of as a joke, but it's true. Like he just makes movies. Right. And like, and I think and that wasn't always the case. I mean, yeah. I think there was a time where I think he, you know, had a reputation in the nineties, I suppose. And maybe that caught up with him, but then he was able to navigate that. Right. Like the, a movie, like the funeral uh, yeah. from 96 with Walken Cr and Chris Penn Gallo, Chris Penn. Great. I love that movie. And like Which a that, little Benicio del Toro in that movie, right? Like, yeah, that yeah. movie itself. Speaking, you know, you know, connecting it to Lansky, that is in itself kind of a version of the gangster, quote unquote, gangster picture, right? And, like gangster, an indictment people. of it, yeah. You know, in, in such in certain ways. Um, yeah. So anyway, a filmmaker to absorb if you're willing, and Dangerous Game is certainly worth kind of exploring and you know if if for no other reason Keitel's obviously given a very strong performance but Madonna you know who obviously her track record as an actress is spotty of course I if um, for my she's money, great it's, in it. it's like she's top, great it's it. like top three maybe best performer like you know well, yeah, what a league of her a league of their own right being the other one I you know die you know day. Da a dangerous game um uh no she she is very good in it and I think I'm going to look up her filmography just to make just sure I'm not missing anything. <laughs> I think the big thing, um, I... I do love her and Dick Tracy. Oh, she, yeah, that's true. So I've, we'll never, I've also one. never seen Evita. Evita, so I don't know certainly um, a movie on A movie I would have to rewatch to have an opinion on. But yeah, Dick Tracy, uh, strong in League of Their Own, Dangerous Game. Um. But I do think her like she's fun in four rooms. I'm not oh, a big sure. fan of yeah. four rooms, but but fun in that. The stuff. her desperately seeking Susan, we should say. Oh right, yeah. So those I what it would be it would be League of Their Own, Des desperately seeking Susan, and Dangerous, Dangerous Game, Game are like the top three Madonna performances. Yeah, and then you know with the Susan of Dick Tracy, sure. Well, uh, honor, sprink honor, sprinkling a dick to honorable honorable mention and also i gotta say this i guess isn't technically a performance but madonna truth or dare her doc oh sure which you know i don't know if that counts you but. could debate what but, but you know madonna is also a <laughs> she is a persona as well like, was, you could, when she made when was she dating warren Beatty? during during they are well, during the filming of Truth or Dare, they right. are dating. No, 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 right. I knew that. Is that which what is such year a great part of the movie? Nine, it's early nineties, like ninety one, okay. ninety two. You know, it's yeah. like right around between Dick Tracy and Dangerous Game. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
anyway, but anyway, yeah, I think her moments and their behind this, the, the movie Dangerous Game does like a, a series of different stylistic stylistic things. And I did not all of them work. Some of them work OK, but where you're basically watching what would be like behind the scenes footage captured in the making in, in Harvey Keitel's character, Eddie Israel, making his movie. Right. And yeah. then and then there is like actual move in movie footage of the movie they're making. Right. Right. And then there is just the actual world that they're living in. Right. Um, and so it's this kind of different layers of things. I agree with you. It's hard to watch. It's not the easiest movie to access, but I do. It's one of the rare movies I feel like I've seen where it, it towards the middle. I was like, I don't know about this. Like, maybe I hate this. And right. then by, but by the time I got to the end, I was like, oh, shit, maybe this is good. Like it. It kind of, I thought, was a little more rewarding by the end, but I feel like landing on a movie like that leads me to believe that, oh, maybe it just needs to be like 20 minutes shorter. Like, I kind of think, I don't know, but... Um, well, and it, like like we said, it for me, it, it, it makes it, 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 it makes me lament that they didn't make... Abel Ferrara and Harvey Keitel didn't make a third movie together. Yeah, no, no, no. It's because I think their collaboration clearly yeah. bears worthy fruit you know like they um yeah again bad lieutenant into this and they're they're not the same performance right and and i think Kaitel, oh, not, yeah not at all Kaitel yeah. in this is equal parts like intense and gentle but in the way that like what i love about this is even him being gentle in this feels like manipulation right so even oh yeah even him exercising that kind of well and i would say if you're if nature, you're somebody who is aspiring to make film or write about film or, you know, whatever it is. This is a good movie to watch. I mean, 100%. It's, it's, it's an indictment on the process as well as yeah. a passionate examination of the process. It, it I feels mean, like Ferrara exercising demons just about sure, the, sure. The, the process. Um, I don't know a ton about his personal life necessarily, but like, but, but like he casts his wife as, Keitel, right. as Keitel's wife right like which is an interesting kind of weird thing but like uh and she's great I think too um, she's good yeah that there's their scenes together I think are my favorite scenes in the movie but um, agreed agreed yeah uh but yeah it's a it's, it's like I said it's a tougher one to get a hold of but you can find it um so if you like Abel Farrar and haven't seen it worth a watch and if you like Keitel and haven't seen it uh, worth a watch i believe he was nominated for an award at venice i think he won yeah i think he won an award at the venice film festival for it love so that good for him it's a very good performance uh but yeah that said um thanks for listening to us go through all this stuff and without further ado dan unless you have anything else to add no please uh this is us talking to living legend harvey Keitel. Uh, welcome, Harvey. Great to have you on today. Um, you know, as I said, as we started, my name's Dan. This is Connor here. Hello. The premise of the podcast is we talk with movie stars and we talk to them about not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones they made in between. Um, and obviously you have such an eclectic career. And, you know, but just to start, we wanted to talk about Lansky, which... Obviously, you star as Meyer Lansky. It's out now. 
on Blu-ray and streaming, Amazon Prime, whatnot. Um, and I guess, you know, you have such a diverse career and certainly the gangster character has been a common through line here and there throughout. I mean, you got an Oscar nomination for playing well, Mickey Cohen. Well, gangster is a genre. Right, right. You know, gangster is a genre. There are all different kinds of of gangsters. Ones right. who will break your legs, others <laughs> who will uh, maybe buy you a drink. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I was saying, so like, so perfect example, right? You're in, in, in Bugsy, right? You're playing Mickey Cohen, who is so different from Meyer Lansky, right, as we know. And I think... When you're when you are um, considering Lansky, what felt new and different about him, you know, uh, you know, compared to characters past, I suppose. Uh, I, I'm I'm very serious, by the way, about this gangster uh, idea, because mm -hmm. uh, they are individual people, like any uh, body is an individual person. Um, uh, Maya was a father as well and uh, he was a family man you might you might, might say and i i would say who took care of his uh his uh, challenged son all of his life till his death um whom he uh, loved very much and uh he was also uh, a very very much like the immigrant of today comes to america's shores uh, in poverty, with no education and no ability to get one. And now that I'm at it, I'm thinking of the one bill that has lately gotten struck down from the president's um, um, effort uh, on the budget, and that was free community college from the president's bill. And all these immigrants certainly face that. And by the way, just as an aside, I thought about America who was so, um, so strong and powerful, and they even lead in the robotics. And uh, not to have jobs available for everybody is absurd. And that robotic field is called the Republican Party. Right. That should right. get me in trouble. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think, no, to your point, I think um, a nice thing about, <laughs> I, I think a nice thing about, Lansky, you're right. I mean, he he's an immigrant, right? And so much of his story is about him using his right his mathematical mind to get ahead, right? And I think it's an it's an important point. Can I ask you a question about the character? So obviously Lansky has, you know, he's an iconic figure, right? He's been played different ways by different actors over many, many years, right? Hyman Roth, for example, is you know, a version of Lansky in some respects, right, from The Godfather 2, you know. Um, so when you're going into something like this, are you considering how he's been portrayed? Or are you just kind of forgetting all those other takes? Or it's probably the smart move, right, just to go in as fresh as you can, you know, as, as organic yeah, as you I can mean, with the character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looking back kind of at your career, so like, like I was mentioning at the beginning, we, we like to kind of talk about – you know, maybe some of the lesser known movies over the years. Um, and and um, I, just to kind of open up that portion of the conversation, when you look back, obviously there's been so many great roles. Is there any particular performance, maybe in a smaller film, that you look back at with a specific fondness? Anything, you I must, know? I must say, I, I, 
I consider myself to be a very lucky uh, former Marine, more than I do an actor. Right. And um, and when I look back at this lucky former Marine, um, uh, those films, uh, uh, filmmakers, Jane Campion and Lena Verdmuller and... Um, and Scorsese and Tarantino and Florentino and uh, um, I know I'm leaving out people, but I don't know who. Um, uh, I've been a very lucky guy. Look, looking at your uh, looking at your filmography, you know, obviously everybody knows you and everything you've been in, but even to look at it, you know, to pre prepare to talk with you. You know, there are just a million things, right? Like fingers, right? Uh, you know, uh, fingers until back. I forgot him. Yeah, there's, you know, um, you know, uh, one of the movies we wanted to ask you about was Dangerous Game, obviously, which is Abel Ferrara. Like that, you know, so many, you know, obviously people remember Bad Lieutenant. Of course, that's a, one of your great performances. But Dangerous Game, which, you know, comes out not too long after that, right? 93 yeah. is a quite incredible performance as well. And obviously, you know, uh, Madonna's into James Russo. It's a very kind of provocative piece, intense um, uh, character drama. You know, is there anything about that movie um, that stands out? I mean, it was great catching up with that film. And, and I know Abel is a very uh, specific type of filmmaker. Anything about Dangerous Game that kind of you recall or, or, or look back on fondly? Well, well, Abel is a... Is, um is like an icon in my life. Yeah. Um, uh, the the uh, the bad lieutenant was uh, uh, an exceptional an ex an exceptional moment uh, that Abel and I spent together. Uh, dangerous games. Um, I don't quite recall. Right. So well, frankly. Yeah. No. All I do remember is I remember how good Madonna was in the movie and James Russo. Um, and, um, and that is the truth. I mean, look, there's, there, like I said, there's so many, so, so that totally makes sense. I mean, another movie in that same time frame, which, you know, speaking of Tarantino, obviously, yeah, not, this is not a B-side of course, but, but, um, you're in Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs, and then you have kind of that beautiful scene in Pulp Fiction, another movie from 1993 that you may or may not remember, because I, I, you have a kind of a similar, very powerful, smaller role in is, um, Point of No Return, which is that was the remake of La Femme Nikita with Bridget Fonda. Um, you're oh, yeah. you're playing in that right a fixer of sorts uh, who comes in. I believe Jean Renault played played a similar role in, in the original. And what 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 was so interesting about rewatching it for this podcast was you're almost playing a a totally different version of a similar character that you kind of then play in Pulp Fiction, right? Which is like you know, the guy who comes in to clean everything up. And, um, but the fact that you're doing such a different uh, version of the similar character within a year of each other, it's fascinating, you know, how you can kind of adapt those things, if that makes sense. Just kind of um, thinking about Point of No Return and Pulp Fiction. Well, you know, one day I was riding in a car with someone and, um, and we stopped at a light and they started talking to uh, another, another, person in a car that stopped for the light also. And um, after the light changed color to green and took off, the person turned to me and said, you know, that guy's a hitman. <laughs> I said, what? 
I mean, he, he looked to me like you would, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what to say. He looked like the guy next door, you know, mm-hmm. how about a cup of coffee? And that and that sort of informed me about uh, point of no return. That no one would oh, believe this. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because you do play it very mild mannered in point of no return. That's interesting that that's where you got that from. Yeah, yeah. it's very. You have the glasses and the clean cut look, and it's very innocuous. Yes. Yeah. I figured he could be mild mannered. Yeah. Because the gun makes a lot of noise. And it's it's one of those things. It it comes off. It sort of accentuates the. Uh, sociopathy you know it like comes off as even scarier when you're someone who just looks like a normal dude with a total straight face you know? i would agree with you it is a bit scary so it's funny this is i i didn't have this on my my b-side list but 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 you know since we have you here around that same time um this is a movie we've uh, actually covered on the podcast um because we were talking about jack nicholson um the two Jakes, right, from a few years before that, obviously, sequel to Chinatown um, that Nicholson directs. That is such a fascinating film. Um, do you have any recollections from that film? I mean, it's one I, I, I would encourage people to seek out. It's such, you know, it's such a specific, there's such a specific tone to that movie and kind of there's, go ahead, sorry. I have a lot of. I have a lot of recollect, recollections about that film. The most important one for me is how great a guy Jack Nicholson was to me. Yeah. Um, uh, people assumed that I had known him around those times, but I did not know him. He had come to New York and saw me in the play of uh, Sam Shepard's. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, uh, he was very influential in getting me that uh, part. Um, um, I mean, uh, wait, wait a second. You're talking about the one he directed, right? Yeah. Two yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, he was very influential getting me the part in uh, uh, the, the Mexican border scene. Uh, film we did. Uh, I think you're thinking about, you're talking about the border, which is another great. The border, right. The border. Which, right. that's funny yeah. you brought it up. The border, Tony Richardson directed that one, right? That's right, yes. And, and Jack had uh, had come to New York to see me in this play, and he was the one who suggested me for the border. Ah. And then on the, uh, on the two Jakes, well, Jack was just uh, magnificent to me. Um, um, in in many ways, as as an actor, and as a director, and as a person. Yeah, that's lovely to hear. I mean, you know, you bring up the border. That's another movie, right? Where it's um, I would encourage people to seek out the border. It's kind of, in a way, it's a bit ahead of its time in terms of what it's tackling, in terms of kind of the complicated nature of, you know, that type of enforcement, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. True. When working with Jack as a director, was it, was there any sort of, um, you know, did you find it strange being directed by another actor? Was there any sort of that crossover in his talents as he sort of directed you through scenes? Jack is too smart to fall into any trap like that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, It it was a complete free exchange between two men and two actors. Right. Mm -hmm. So much so, 
so much so that uh, when I first got down to do the movie and got to my trailer, uh, there was nothing in my trailer. It was empty. And uh, I saw a couple of other trailers, and Jack had fruit and everything in his trailer and flowers and everything. And uh, uh, Jack came into my trailer. I said, Jack, why is there no fruit in my trailer? <laughs> the next day, a huge, a huge uh, basket of fruit showed up. <laughs> Overkill. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. He was like, "I'm not going to make that mistake. I got to get my guy some fruit." <laughs> That's funny. He was just wonderful to work. He was a totally unselfish actor and director. He just wanted the best that he could get from you. Yeah, and I think your chemistry in the two Jakes is certainly the highlight, right? There's a yin and a yang happening. To your point, two men kind of at the peak of their powers, essentially, which is which is exciting to watch. I mean, it's definitely, like I said, it's the highlight of the picture. Um, you know, one thing, just sticking with, I suppose, the early 90s, right? Um, as you know, I don't know where we only have a couple more minutes. Um, Thel- Thelma and Louise, which obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're cheating here because there's some A-sides in here. Obviously, Thelma and Louise is, a, is, a, is, a, is an iconic movie. I feel like, you know, you, so many of your extremely well-known roles, you're, there is an intensity happening, right? You know, not always malice, but, but some sort of kind of, you know, duplicitiveness, you know, manipulation, what have you. A beautiful thing about Thelma and Louise is the kindness that you're exuding, right? In that, in that picture. And, and I, I guess, that, that you know you're playing a cop and so often that type of character can be you know stale on paper right so when you're when you're when you're doing a movie like Thelma and Louise you know what 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 steps are you taking to kind of imbue you know pathos into a character like that i suppose and 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 well maybe maybe i should work harder on my malice <laughs> <laughs> No, you you know malice. You you you've been you you got malice down. You you got it. You got it. Point of no return. That all people have to do is watch Point of No Return. <laughs> Thank you. Now now in Lansky, there's a there's a character who has perfected his malice and also his love of family. True. That's yeah, a good it's point. a very yeah. it's it's kind of an equal parts intimidating but also very gentle performance. Yeah, like I say, he's at the end of the day shown uh, his regard for his family all along. Yeah, and I'll say, I don't, I won't give anything away for Lansky, but there is, there's a scene towards the end of the picture that, that uh, to your point, Harvey, is about, uh, very specifically about family. And it's almost wordless. And I think it speaks to kind of what you can do without so much of a line of dialogue. Well, well thank you. And Eitan Rockaway, um, let me... Uh, uh, he was a great director to work with because he he uh, understood me and um, uh, I was able to improvise with him some uh, important moments in Lansky. So I know we're coming to the end of our time. So just I wanted to bring it back to Lansky and just say um, thank you for taking the time to talk about Lansky and obviously these other uh, roles from earlier on in your career. We we so appreciate kind of the, the conversation. And yeah, as a Marine who became an actor, we appreciate all, all you've done. And thank you. Uh, thanks a bunch for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thank Harvey. you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. So there it is. That's our conversation with uh, with Harvey Keitel. Um, 
super generous with with his time. He's a, a still at his age a very busy man. So it was nice to get to speak with him. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you out there for listening. Um, if you like what you have heard, please do rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. It helps us out tremendously. Uh, and if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can shoot us an email at bside at thefilmstage.com, B-S-I-D-E at thefilmstage.com. You can find Dan at DJ Mecca on Twitter, as well as, uh, you know, you can find his byline on the film stage. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at scruffy looking, uh, also my byline occasionally on the film stage. And you can find this podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFS B-Side. Um, so thanks again for listening. And I know, you know, as the days go by, everybody, it gets really hard out there. So just remember that no matter what, you're going to be okay. Okay.